Hello, my name is Rick White, and I'm the director of the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. I want to encourage all Georgia veterans to consider being nominated to the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. And if you are a Georgia veteran, then the definition of a Georgia veteran is either you were born in the state of Georgia, or you've lived here 10 years, or you were raised to right hand and joined the military in this state, you are considered a Georgia veteran. For further information, go to www.gmbhof.org, or you can contact me at 678-427-0915. We'd love to have your nomination for the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. Thank you so much. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome to America's Web Radio. This is Ron Bachman, and you're listening to Healthcare Insight. Well, guess what's back in the news? The Wuhan lab. It's all over uh, Fox News and in the media. The, finally, the Wall Street Journal, New York Times have done some investigating And lo and behold, what President Trump said months and months ago, that this is the China virus. It originated in China and likely from a leak of the Wuhan lab. And all the media, when he said that, said it was a conspiracy theory, that it was crazy. And uh, Dr. Fauci even said that it was unlikely that this was from the lab, that it was more likely that it came from a natural mutation in um, in nature. Well, guess what? Things have changed now in just in the last few weeks. And even the White House is on board with looking at this more closely, taking a second look. And all those people they called conspiracy theorists and crazy have now come around to where they think, yeah, that's probably what happened from the Wuhan lab. In fact, the Health and Human Services Secretary, Xavier Becerra, on Tuesday, told the World Health Organization that it must launch a more transparent investigation into the origins of the coronavirus amid mounting evidence that the virus may have escaped from the Wuhan Institute of Virology in China. Now, if somebody said that previously, they were in many cases knocked off of Twitter or off of YouTube or Facebook for saying something that was accepted at the time only months ago as being a conspiracy theory, and against the facts. Well, guess what? All these experts that claim to be the holders of facts, in fact, were wrong. And after the WHO, the World Health Organization, they appeared to be complicit with China's efforts to cover up the severity of the virus's spread. Former President Trump severed ties with the international organization. Why would we want to do any work with WHO the World Health Organization, when they're lying to us, when they're working as a mouthpiece of China, when they're covering up for China. Well, the Biden administration rejoined WHO this year without making any demands or changes about what they should do about the coronavirus lies that they cast out to the United States and to the world, where it's killed hundreds of thousands of people. But it's remained this critical lack of transparency in the group's report on this early spread of the virus from China. The COVID-19 pandemic not only stole a year from all of our lives, it stole millions of lives. And Becerra said in an address to the World Health Assembly, a conference organized by the World Health Organization, now we must honor our departed by taking urgent action this year to strengthen home security and pandemic preparedness so that we are better prepared for the next global health crisis. Well, guess what? 
We gave them a pass on the first one. Why do they think it's going to be any different now? Why do we close the door after the barn door after the horse is out? But at least they're coming around and trying to accept the idea that in reality, this virus came from China. Whether it was intentional or not is still up for question. My own personal feelings, it was probably a leak. It was something that was by mistake. Why? Because we're going to hear later in this hour about the whole idea of how viruses are created in labs, allowed to get more virulent, more susceptible to being passed to humans. And the media totally ignored all the reports that were out there for months and months and months on end. In fact, most of the material that you're going to hear is from an earlier broadcast that I did back almost six months ago or more. All this was out there, but the mainstream media ignored it to the detriment and the death of many people. Will they pay any price for this? Will MSNBC, will CNN, will New York Times, the Washington Post accept responsibility for us dismissing the idea of where this came from so that we couldn't find better solutions, faster solutions? Thank God we had President Trump, who started early with the ban of travel from China when our current president, Biden, said that it was xenophobic. Thank goodness for Trump, who early on saw this as a major potential catastrophe and started with the investments in vaccines that had never been done before, paying companies in advance of them even developing the vaccine with a guarantee that if it was successful, we would be buying it of advancing money to do that research so that instead of three to five years, which normally takes to get a vaccine, it was done in nine months. Nobody in the media will admit that it was Trump's foresight. It was Trump's actions. It was Trump's belief that he could change the system to get something done faster and to get it approved through the FDA, which has always been a bottleneck for approval of any kind of new vaccine or drug. He took that on single-handedly against the wishes and desires and information from this famous Dr. Fauci, who said we wouldn't have a vaccine for three to five years. So I want to take you forward now today on what's happening around us, but give you the real facts, the truth, finally the truth that can be accepted and is being researched more and more and published information more and more by the mainstream media so the general public can get this. The audience of this broadcast, the audience of America's Web Radio, had the information. And so if you're new to America's Web Radio, you're going to hear the facts again. You're going to hear the truth about what happened with the coronavirus, what happened with the research what happened with Dr. Fauci's financial involvement with this research, how he promoted and worked with the Chinese lab, even though he knew that it had been disallowed by President Obama from being performed in the United States. It was such a danger, and the labs were so lax in their safety precautions, it was disallowed in the United States, but not in China. So what did we wind up doing? We wound up funding some of that work in China. So let me go forward today 
with a better explanation of how all this was developed, how it happened, and how we know that the highest probability of where this came from was the Wuhan lab, and that there is no evidence that it came from some wet market or that it happened naturally in some bat caves. Let's listen to the rest of this hour, and I hope you'll be well informed. Let's start with a quick history and an overview of SARS. This is not new. It's been around for a pretty good while. So let's understand what has happened to lead us up to the starting point of the COVID-19 that's affected us all over the last year. But it didn't start in 2019. This whole idea of COVID diseases has been around for some time. Let's find out about that and how it um, was transmitted or how it affected us in the past. SARS was first reported in Asia in February 2003, and over the next few months, the illness spread to more than two dozen countries in North America, South America, Europe, and Asia before the SARS global outbreak in 2003 was contained. Bats have been identified as the natural resource of severe acute respiratory syndrome, or the SARS-like and SARS coronaviruses. The discovery of bat SARS like coronaviruses and the great genetic diversity of coronavirus in bats have shed new light on the origin and the transmission of SARS coronaviruses. And that's what we're going to dig into the rest of this hour the source and the transmission of these SARS coronaviruses. So let's take a second and let's just delve into a few details. Something like the word pathogen I want to describe. And I want to talk about how the development of a disease is real important. As scientists begin to look at various diseases that are out there that could create a pandemic. And we'll see that that's what was happening with COVID. But instead of discovering a virus that we could solve in case it became a pandemic... I think we actually created the pandemic by that kind of research. And I think we're going to find that if you just listen to a little bit more of the detail and get through this next section that's a little bit uh, detailed on the coronavirus uh, background. Another term to understand is the word pathogen. Now, as a layman like me, I really didn't fully understand pathogen. I sort of got a general feel that it wasn't good. But what is a pathogen? Well, a pathogen is usually defined as a bacterium, a virus, or other microorganism that causes or can cause a disease. So when we talk about this virus, it's a pathogen. It's a virus that causes diseases. So if I say that word pathogen or I read it from one of the articles, you'll understand that that's just identifying that there is a virus that can cause a disease as opposed to a virus that really doesn't cause diseases. It's just a virus. Well, in the last few minutes of this first segment, let me um, define a really key term here. So for layman, there are two important terms, but I think I'm only going to have time to really define the first one. Then we'll come back in the next section and I'll define the second one. The first one is called gain of function research. And what is it? It's a line of research where scientists take viruses and study how they might be modified to become deadlier and more transmittable among humans. Why would they do this? 
Scientists who engage in such research say it helps them to figure out which viruses threaten people so they can design countermeasures. Now keep in mind that viruses mutate in nature. Most viruses and animals do not mutate to create human transmissions. So this research tries to anticipate potential mutations that could affect humans. By doing so, they can develop potential cures for such natural, when such natural mutations occur. Let me stop there and we'll come back and we'll talk a little bit more about this gain of function uh, process and why it's so important and why it's so dangerous. I think you're going to be absolutely shocked. This audience is going to be shocked to find the truth that many of you listening in here, many conservatives understood and listened to those sources of information that have been truthful all along about so many of these conspiracy theories against President Trump. And it seems like the mainstream media, just because he said that this was from China, that he believed that the Wuhan lab was the source of this, the media, the media immediately just went the other way, and they were wrong. And we're going to prove it if you just stay with us and listen to the rest of this program. So let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. You're on America's Web Radio. Hello, my name is Rick White, and I'm the director of the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. I want to encourage all Georgia veterans to consider being nominated to the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. And if you are a Georgia veteran, and the definition of a Georgia veteran is either you were born in the state of Georgia, or you've lived here 10 years, or you were raised your right hand and joined the military in this state, you are considered a Georgia veteran. For further information, go to www.gmbhof.org, or you can contact me at 678-427-0915. We'd love to have your nomination for the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. Thank you so much. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to America's Web Radio. This is Ron Bachman, and you're listening to Healthcare Insight. Okay, now comes the truth about this virus and where it came about, how it came about, and how it was transmitted. Some of you out there are going to feel vindicated. Others of you are going to be mad and upset at the federal government, at the CDC, at Dr. Fauci, at the mainstream media. But you're going to get the straight scoop about what really happened if you continue to listen to this program. It was researched by many people on the outside, but those research reports were ignored. I picked up on them more than six months ago and reported on this broadcast. So I want to bring that information back to maybe a new audience, some new listeners, and reinforce to the old listeners that what they believed was true. So get ready for the truth. And I want to talk about this gain of function that is so important that was totally ignored. You never heard that word until the last week or two in the mainstream media. So let's hear more of the truth about this COVID-19 China virus. The first one we defined right at the end of the first segment. Uh, it's very important, so I want to remind you, it's called gain-of-function, gain-of-function research. And it's how scientists will take and manipulate viruses and study how they might be modified to become deadlier and more transmittable. Now, that sounds like a very dangerous thing to do, and you wonder why they would do it. Well, they do it because... Viruses mutate in nature, and so what they're trying to do in the lab is replicate some of that 
changing function that will occur during mutations, notice as the viruses evolve from one state to another one, uh, they're what's called mutating. And most viruses, when they mutate in nature, really don't mutate to become transmittable to humans. Sometimes they do. And so this research tries to anticipate potential mutations that could affect humans. And by doing so, then they can take that virus and try to develop cures. But until they develop a cure, you have these newly developed lab clinical research viruses that are very dangerous. And that danger is um, is not without being extreme if it's not being performed in 100% secure research labs. I mean, developing lethal viruses that do not exist in nature exposes really significant uh, human-to-human transmissions that would create a pandemic. So it has to be in a research lab that is 100% secure. Well, guess what? They're not always very secure. This is an example. Back in 2014, the U.S. government had placed a federal moratorium on this process called gain-of-function, or GOF, research. It put a moratorium on the funding for altering natural pathogens. Again, that word that we described earlier, which just means it's a virus that uh, transmits diseases. So altering these natural pathogens or viruses to make them more deadly and infectious as a result of rising fears about a possible pandemic caused by an accidental or deliberate release of these genetically engineered monster germs There was great fear in 2014, and so a moratorium was placed on that. Why? Well, in part, it was due to a number of lab accidents at the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention in July of 2014 that raised questions about biosafety. At the time, the CDC had disclosed, had closed two labs and halted some biological shipments in the wake of several incidences in which highly pathogenic microbes were mishandled by the U.S. government laboratories. A couple of examples. In 2014, it was a very bad accident in this biohazard front. In June 2014, as many as 75 scientists at the Center for Disease Control and Prevention were exposed to anthrax due to an accidental shipment of live anthrax around the country. Number two, there was a discovery of some forgotten live smallpox samples and a newly revealed incident in which the dangerous influenza strain was accidentally shipped from the CDC to another lab. A CDC internal report described how scientists failed to follow proper procedures to ensure samples were inactivated before they left the lab and also found multiple other problems with operating procedures in the anthrax lab. A few weeks later, the Food and Drug Administration officials ran across 16 forgotten vials of smallpox that were in storage. Meanwhile, the largest, most severe, and most complex Ebola outbreak in history was raging across West Africa, and the first patient to be diagnosed in the United States had just been announced. That was the environment that we were working in. So it was within that context that the scientists and the biosecurity experts found themselves 
embroiled in a debate about this gain-of-function research. Was it really worth it? Well, as such, in October 2014, because of public health concerns, the U.S. government banned all federal funding on efforts to weaponize three viruses, influenza, the Middle East Respiratory Syndrome, or MERS, and the Acute Respiratory Syndrome, SARS. So we banned all that in 2014. Now, just keep that in mind and set that aside, how dangerous it was, how many problems with security and safety and the potential of a pandemic if something leaked out of one of these labs that were supposed to be secure, but were not. Let's go on to a second way that scientists were working with these viruses, because it's called passaging. Again, a term as a layman I didn't know until I started to do some research on this. What is passaging? Passaging. Well, passaging is the placing of a live virus into an animal or cell culture to which it is not adapted, and then, before the virus dies out, transferring it to another animal or cell of the same type. Passaging is often done iteratively. In other words, it's done one after another, after another, after another. In theory, the theory is that the virus will rapidly evolve as viruses have high mutation rates. It changes all the time. But if they change and they become adapted to the new animal or the cell type, passaging a virus by allowing it to become adapted to its new situation creates a new pathogen. The most famous experiment on passaging was conducted in a lab of a Dutch researcher. This Dutch researcher took an avian influenza flu called H5N1 that did not infect of all animals they were using ferrets and serially passaged them to other ferrets. The intention of the experiment was to specifically to evolve what they call potential pandemic pathogens. But what happened was after 10 passages, the researchers found that the virus had indeed evolved to not only infect ferrets, but to transmit to others in neighboring cages. They had created an airborne ferret virus, a potential pandemic pathogen, and a storm in the international scientific community evolved. So think about this now. We have the gain of function that could make things more dangerous, more infectious. Now we have passaging that takes something that is not dangerous to humans, not dangerous to other animals, and passing it through this process and evolving it so that it is dangerous to others. So since these two previous coronavirus near pandemic, SARS in the 2003 and the MERS in 2012, probably both came from bats and are both thought but not proven to have transitioned to humans via intermediate animals, in particular what they call civets and dromedaries. Well, dromedaries are the um, camels. And the civet is a small, lean, mostly nocturnal mammal relative to tropical Asia and Africa. It's typically found in uh, tropical uh, forests. And this, the term civic applies to over a dozen different mammal species. Most of the species um, are found in Southeast Asia because there's a lot of experimentation going on over there in China. So this virus then evolved briefly in this animal species, but not enough to cause 
a civic pan- pandemic. And then it was picked up by a human before it died out in the civics. In this first human, so the patient zero, the virus survived, perhaps only barely, but was passed on, making the first case of human-to-human transmission. As it was successfully passed on in its first human host, the virus rapidly evolved, adapting to better infect its new host. And after such tentative transmission, the pandemic properly began. That's how pandemics occur. Scientists are manipulating viruses, creating the more serious nature of them to, in theory, prevent pandemics. But instead, they're causing pandemics. So how safe is this manipulation research? Well, an accidental lab release not merely, is not merely a theoretical possibility, because in 1977, a laboratory in Russia and maybe even China were the most likely um, uh, releases that, while they were developing a flu vaccine, accidentally released the extent H1N1, influenza virus. And the H1N1 then went on to become a global pandemic virus. A large portion of the global population became infected. In this case, the deaths were few because the population was over age 20, had historic immunity to the virus. But many of you may remember the term H1N1. In 2000, in 1977, it got out and created this worldwide pandemic in the sense that so many people got infected, we just didn't have as many deaths because we got lucky. This episode is not widely known because only recently has this conclusion been formally acknowledged in the scientific literature and in the virology community that has been reluctant to discuss discuss such incidents and accidents. They kind of hide things up because they don't want to lose their funding. Still, laboratories... These viruses escape, leading to human and animal deaths. Smallpox in Britain, equine encephalitis in South America are common enough that they ought to be much better known that these things have happened. Only rarely have these broken out into actual pandemics on the scale of the H1N1 and incidentally broke out again in 2009-2010 as a swine flu, many of you remember that, causing deaths estimated between 3,000 and 200,000 deaths worldwide. Many scientists have warned that experiments with these potential pandemic pathogens like smallpox and Ebola and influenza viruses are inherently dangerous and should be subject to strict limits and oversight. They should not be hidden. They should not be in labs that aren't 100% secure. So even in the limited case of the SARS-like coronaviruses, Since the quelling of the original SARS outbreak in 2003, there have been at least six documented SARS disease outbreaks originating from research labs, including four in China. These outbreaks caused 13 individual infections and one death. Now, that doesn't sound like much in today's world, but we were just lucky that it didn't go further. But clearly, labs are not as secure as they should be. Well, now that you know the history, viruses like the COVID virus, is not unusual. We've had SARS, we've had MERS, we've had um, swine flu, we've had all sorts of viruses in the past, H1N1, etc. And it has not caused the problem that the COVID has. 
So now we're going to get into COVID. You can see the real problems that developed with the research that was going on that was not safe. So let's take a quick break, and we're going to dive into the details. What everybody knows now is the most likely truth about where the virus started. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, join me, Roger B., every Tuesday at 1400 hours right here on America's Web Radio for the Locked and Loaded Show. We will talk about guns, weapons, ammo, gun accessories, prepping, and so much more. So be sure to join us every Tuesday at 1400 or 2 p.m. for Locked and Loaded on America's Web Radio. Whether cruising the strip at a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Whether cruising the strip at a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Hello, my name is Rick White, and I'm the director of the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. I want to encourage all Georgia veterans to consider being nominated to the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. And if you are a Georgia veteran, and the definition of a Georgia veteran is either you were born in the state of Georgia, or you've lived here 10 years, or you were raised your right hand and joined the military in this state, you are considered a Georgia veteran. For further information, go to www.gmbhof.org, or you can contact me at 678-427-0915. We'd love to have your nomination for the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. Thank you so much. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to America's Web Radio. We are talking about the origin, the definitions, the explanations of uh, uh, COVID-19. We've uh, defined some of the terms so we have a better understanding, and we're now understanding the process of the science in researching SARS or uh, COVID-type viruses. We've learned that there is something called gain of function, where we take a virus from nature and we try to change it so that it is more deadly and more infectious. And now we've also found out that Scientists use a process called passing or passaging, they use both terms, uh, to create a virus that would go from animals to humans uh, by having a series of mutations. So now we want to talk about how all this kind of fits together with current day. You know, as we talk about those processes that are going on in the scientific community, the it's awfully dangerous, it sounds like, to a layman like myself. Uh, but I understand in talking to scientists that it is the way, it is a normal way to take and develop research, to find changes uh, potentially in uh, uh, DNA splicing, to look for cures for things like cancers or Alzheimer's. In this case, we're using the processes Uh, around viruses, which makes it very dangerous. But the purpose is to find cures for viruses before they occur naturally uh, in um, the wild and become pandemics that we know nothing about. So um, for these reasons, and also to ensure the effectiveness of future pandemic preparedness efforts, it's a matter of vital international importance to establish whether 
a laboratory escape hypothesis on the COVID-19 from China uh, has credible evidence to support it. Um, this must be done regardless of the problem in the U.S. of the sort of toxic partisan politics that's going on right now. Um, we need to find out whether or not this virus escaped voluntarily or whether it was a mutation that occurred in nature. Um, so we know how best to do future researches. So putting all this together, what's the connection to the Wuhan labs and what's been going on over there? Well, in the face of the 2014 moratorium in the United States, Dr. Anthony Fauci, the director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, and currently the leading doctor in the U.S. on uh, coronavirus and on that task force that was set up uh, under the um, uh, auspices of uh, Vice President Pence. Well, when they couldn't get the funding in the United States, when that moratorium was put on in 2014, uh, Dr. Fauci, in running all of this work on the coronavirus, he outsourced in 2015 the gain-of-function research to China's Wuhan lab and licensed that lab to continue receiving U.S. government funding. So we funded, as a country, the Wuhan lab. Dr. Fauci's National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases actually funded a study on bad coronaviruses, which was a project that included scientists at the Wuhan Institute of Virology, or WIV, and we're going to talk about WIV. Um, it's a Chinese lab. At the center of all this controversy is the one we think about when they talk about Chinese labs. But it's at the center of the controversy over this bat research. Uh, that study confirmed in 2018 that humans had died from the coronavirus. Now, one might ask, in a very serious way, if the government, the U.S. government, banned this research in 2014 on federal funds being used for this gain-of-function research, what are, are the federal compliance and ethical issues surrounding the fact that the National Institute of Health still gave fund, federal funding instead of private funding to the Wuhan lab to continue the experiments? Now, as we continue to fund work in a lab that looks like the problem started. And we'll talk about whether it was accidental or maybe a, some other cause. So how did the virus escape from Wuhan if that's the case? Or is it the case? Well, in essence, the lab escape theory is what Wuhan, is that Wuhan is the site of the Wuhan Institute of Virology, the WIV. It's China's first and only biosafety level four. That's the highest level uh, supposed of safety and security. It's the only one in China. And so it's the highest security level of any research that can be done. But it was just added, really, while the, the laboratory existed for several years, the level four security was only added in 2018. But they had been collecting large numbers of coronaviruses from bat samples ever since the original SARS outbreak in 2002 and 2003, including collecting more in 2018. So this research was led by 
a uh, Professor Xi at the WIV. The scientists also published experiments in which bat coronaviruses were included into human cells. Moreover, according to an April 14th article in the Washington Post, the U.S. Embassy staff visited the Wuhan lab in 2018 and had grave concerns about biosecurity there. In 2018, U.S. Embassy in Beijing took the unusual step of repeatedly sending U.S. science diplomats to the Wuhan Institute of Virology, this WIV, which had in 2015 become the first laboratory to achieve that higher level of security. What the U.S. officials learned during their visits concerned them so much that they dispatched two diplomatic cables characterized as sensitive, but unclassified back to Washington. The cables warned about safety and management weaknesses at the lab and proposed more attention and help. The first cable warns that the lab work on the bat coronaviruses and their potential human transmission represented a risk of a new SARS-like pandemic. That's exactly what happened. At that lab, it's just eight miles from the Hunan, Hunan live animal market that was initially thought to be the site of origin of the COVID-19 pandemic. That has pretty much been dismissed. Some people might hold on to that, but this does not look like it necessarily just occurred naturally in a wet market, as they called it. The Wuhan lab is also home to a lab, or Wuhan City is also home to a lab called the Wuhan Center for Disease Prevention and Control. It's sort of their Chinese CDC, if you will. Now, it's only a level two security lab, and it's just a short distance away from the Hunan market. And bat coronaviruses in the past have been kept at that Wuhan CDC lab. Thus, the lab escape theory is that researchers from one or both of these labs may have picked up this SARS COVID-19 like bat coronas on one of their many collecting trips, or alternatively, a virus they were studying, passaging, engineering, and otherwise manipulating escaped. We know that they were doing gain of function, and we knew that they were doing passaging, and we knew that the lab was not very secure. So you can figure out what's going on here because there is no evidence that they've been able to find. There is no other bats that, in nature that seem to have this same COVID-19 uh, type of virus. So some professors in virology at the University of Australia, since they're over there as well and have been involved with this process, they first addressed that question of whether there was a natural pathway, whether that was viable. And what they determined was that there is no natural virus matching that COVID-19 that's been found in nature, despite an extensive, intensive search to find its origins. That is to say, the idea of an animal intermediate that was working to develop this is just pure speculation. Indeed, there's no credible viral or animal host intermediaries, either in the form of a confirmed animal host or a plausible virus intermediate 
that has to date emerged to explain any natural transfer of the SARS to humans. In addition, there are two further difficulties with the natural transfer thesis. Apart from the weak epidemiological association between early cases and the Hunan wet market. First is that the researchers from the Wuhan lab traveled to caves in Yunnan about, oh, maybe a mile or so away, to find horseshoe bats containing the SARS-like virus. To date, the closest living relative to SARS-CoV-2 yet found comes from Yuan. Why would an outbreak of a bass bat virus occur in Wuhan when Yunnan is where the bats would have been. They would have affected the population there first. So there's no reason why, if it's actually in nature, that it would have occurred and started in Wuhan. And moreover, the Chinese population of 1.3 billion, if there's spillover from the wildlife trade, that was the explanation. Then other things being equal, the probability of a pandemic starting in Wuhan is really less than 1% from the calculations that are made. So you can say take a bad virus that is not infectious to humans and force its selection by culturing it with cells that express what's called the human ACE2 receptor. In other words, the ability for humans to pick up this virus. The cells have been created many years ago to culture the the SARS virus. and, um, And you can force this bad virus to adopt to infect human cells via mutations in its spike protein, which would have the effect of increasing the strength of its binding to humans and inevitably reducing the strength of its binding to bats. In other words, it gets transferred from bats to humans. That is the likely scenario of what's actually happened. So the viruses in prolonged culture will also develop a random mutation that does not affect its function. The result of these experiments is a virus that is highly virulent in humans, but is sufficiently different that it no longer resembles the original bat virus. Because the mutations are acquired randomly by selection, there is no signature of a human gene jockeying, but this is clearly a virus that could still be created by human intervention. So we've got to make a difference between a human intervention and process that says, well, there's no evidence of human intervention. It actually can be something that the end result shows no effect of humans, but it's because of the passaging that this has occurred. Well, let's take another final um, break, and we'll come back and wrap this all up with uh, where this is all going and what it might actually mean. So stay with us, and we'll be right back on Healthcare Insight. Hello, my name is Rick White, and I'm the director of the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. I want to encourage all Georgia veterans to consider being nominated to the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. And if you are a Georgia veteran, and the definition of a Georgia veteran is either you were born in the state of Georgia, or you've lived here 10 years, or you were raised your right hand and joined the military in this state, you are considered a Georgia veteran. For further information, go to www.gmbhof.org, or you can contact me at 678-427-0915. We'd love to have your nomination for the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. Thank you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, join me, Roger B., every Tuesday at 1400 hours right here on America's Web Radio for the Locked and Loaded Show. We will talk about guns, weapons, ammo, gun accessories, prepping, and so much more. So be sure to join us every Tuesday at 1400 or 2 p.m., 
for Locked and Loaded on America's Web Radio. Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the final session of Healthcare Insight. Now, what have we learned today about the virus? Well, what we've learned is that there's a difference between the disease and the virus. The disease is COVID-19, but the virus is actually SARS-CoV-2, but we basically know it as the disease. The virus, the SARS virus, has been around for a long time, has been studied for a long time, so it's not anything terribly new. We also found out that scientists have been working on these viruses in rather strange ways that as a layman we wouldn't necessarily understand because it looks like they're making the virus, the SARS virus, worse, more profound in its impact and also that it will transmit to a greater degree than it would have in nature. These two things, this gain of function and this passaging are enormous insights as to what the scientific community has been doing to manipulate the virus, to create a more virulent virus. And we can see that they haven't been very safe in these labs that are supposed to be safe. The things have gotten out. There have been misplacements of the viruses. There's been a forgetfulness about where the viruses were stored. There's a sloppiness to the um, scientist community working in these labs when it should be the actual opposite. So there's no doubt that at some point something was going to happen to create a pandemic, whether it was from China, whether it was from Russia, whether it was from the United States. We also found out that the United States was funding this whole operation in the United States until 2014, when it was then outlawed, basically, defunded, And what happened was that work got shifted over to the Wuhan lab and the United States funds continued to flow where that research was over in Wuhan into a less safe, a less secure lab. So what was really going on over at Wuhan? Was Wuhan doing these experiments with the COVIDs and bats? Well, since 2004, shortly after the original SARS outbreak, Remember, that came from bats. Researchers from the Wuhan lab have been collecting bat coronaviruses in an intensive search for a SARS-like pathogen. They wanted to continue with this process of these viruses that typically come out of bats. Since the original collecting trip, many more have been conducted. They were conducted in 2016, 17, and 18, or so it appears. 
So that group at the Wuhan lab has already been performed, has already performed experiments using those collected viruses. In 2013, the lab reported isolating an infectious clone of a bat coronavirus, and they gave it a localized name, the WIV1, which stands for the Wuhan Institute of Virology. And it was obtained by introducing a bat coronavirus into monkey cells, then passaging it. So we have proof that they were passaging things, these viruses from SARS. And they then tested its infectivity in human cells, engineered to express that human ACE2 receptor. There was a receptor in a human body that would accept this virus. So we know that they were working on gain of function. We know that they were working on passaging. And we know that they were working on the coronavirus. I don't know how much more circumstantial evidence and proof that we need to know that this was happening at the Wuhan lab in China. All the things that would create a potential pandemic if it was accidentally released or released on purpose. In 2014, just before the U.S. gain-of-function research ban went into effect, that Wuhan lab co-authored a paper with the lab from North Carolina that performed the original gain-of-function research on bad coronaviruses at the Department of Epidemiology at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. In this particular set of experiments, the researchers combined the spike of the bat coronavirus. We all know the picture now from TV, the spikes. And they did it in a mouse-adapted SARS, what they call backbone. And they engineered it into a single live virus. And that spike was provided by that lab in China. They put this bad human-mouse virus into cultured human airway cells and also into live mice. The researchers observed notable pathogenesis in the infected mice. The mice-adapted part of this virus comes from a 2007 experiment in which that lab in North Carolina created the virus through passaging. So all these scientists were working on the same things that create a much stronger, more potent virus, and then how to make it such that it would become connected to humans through this passaging. Well, we don't know exactly what ultimately happened. And the only way to ultimately know is that in these labs, they keep very detailed records. Because as they're doing all this research, they can develop concepts of intellectual property rights, of patents. And so these labs have to keep very detailed records. So if the virus was being studied, if gain of function was being performed, if passaging was being done, there would be notes in that Wuhan lab of exactly what happened and when and how they were studying it. That would give us great insight as to the source and the cause of the coronaviruses that the world is experiencing. But guess what? The Chinese government won't release those notes. And a lot of people question whether or not they still exist. They could have been burned and deleted because some of the 
lab researchers seem to be missing at this point who might be able to tell us. So there's a lot of shenanigans going on in these labs. So, so now what? Well, in 2019, the National Institute of Health lifted a three-year moratorium on the funding the gain-of-function research on the potential pandemic viruses such as the avian flu, SARS, and MERS, opening the door for certain types of research to resume. In a statement, the NIH director, Francis Collins, said, we have a responsibility to ensure the research and infectious agents is conducted responsibly and that we consider the potential biosafety and biosecurity risks associated with such research. He added that he is confident that the, re, that the new review process spelled out in the new framework will help to facilitate the safe, secure, and responsible conduct of this type of research in a manner that maximizes the benefits to the public health. Now, what happened really is that in 2014, the Obama administration put a halt on this gain-of-function research, realizing the dangers of it and the fact that there had been a lot of accidental releases, poor security, poor safety in the labs that were supposed to be secure. They set up then a commission to develop a new set of guidelines, and it took several years for them to agree to these guidelines. And so when the Trump administration said, we're going to start to fund the gain-of-function activities again, it was only after new procedures were put into place so it wasn't like they said, well, let's go back and fund what was a problem before. We're just going to start sending dollars that way. That's not what happened. So they have a whole new panel called the National Science Advisory Board for Biosecurity. And they spent months hammering out this new process. But can we trust it? This is very dangerous stuff. And so I think that we have to continue to be on guard. We have to have somebody that we can really trust in that scientific community but it seems like it's going to continue to go forward. So what happens to all this research on the project that we were doing? Because now we're trying to find a cure of vaccine, and some of the work we did may actually lead us in that direction. So the Chinese Bat Research Project that was funded entirely uh, through the NIH grant, that field work is not going to carry on in China because there's no funds for it. And that may be a good thing because if we bring it home under more strict guidance, then maybe we can control these things that are supposed to be helping us instead of turning around and biting us, biting us on the backside because we don't do it right. Well, what's the real source? We wrap all this up. What do we say about the real source of the coronavirus? It still remains a question. Did it come from the wet market, as we heard in the media so often, to sort of dismiss the idea of inept Chinese research and poor security labs. Well, that doesn't seem to really fly very well when you look at all the data and what was going on. It doesn't look like this was created in nature. Did it come from the Wuhan labs? There's two labs and people were going back and forth. The more likely answer is that it came from the Wuhan labs and was accidentally released. Did it just come from nature? Doesn't look like it. Just like it didn't really come from the wet market and whatever might have happened at the wet market. It didn't come from nature but we can't prove it one way or the other because the passaging hides the fact that it might have been developed and promoted in the lab. So what was the reason? Why, why would anybody do this? Well, if it happened in nature, it just happens in nature. 
Was it an accidental release? That looks to be a more logical answer, that nobody would want to release something into the world. Was it a biological warfare? Unlikely. The real problem is what happened after the accidental release, if that's what happened. And that is that the Chinese government refused to let people understand and know early on what some of the impacts were in far as transmission from human to human. And the fact that the Chinese government went out and tried to get the protective equipment uh, worldwide, um, uh, get a monopoly on all that, and keep other people from getting it. They were not very open, as you would expect. They don't release the papers about what was actually happening in the Wuhan lab. So it looks like a massive cover-up by the Chinese government on an accidental release. That would be the best story. It's hard to believe that anybody, even the communist Chinese government that you can't trust and has been so belligerent with its own people, let alone others outside, that would release this as a biological warfare. So what we wind up with as we wrap up this hour is a lying media, a lying government, a lying China, people who were supposed to be protecting us were actually creating the deadly virus that's affected the entire world and covered it up. That's the bottom line, it seems to me. And we still won't admit that this is a China virus created in China Even if it was by accident, the actions after the fact meant that they were covering it up so that we won't know the real truth. Yes, there are demands by our current Congress. There are research that's going on with the mainstream media finally come on board with the understanding that this has to be the solution. The answer is it came from China by this Wuhan lab. So let's see how it plays out over the next few months. And I think most of you have been listening to this and have been skeptical of the Chinese government, skeptical of Dr. Fauci, and skeptical of our own government will be proven true once again. And that Donald Trump was right all along on the China virus. See you next week. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Whether cruising the strip at a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Whether cruising the strip at a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, join me, Roger B., every Tuesday at 1400 hours right here on America's Web Radio for the Locked and Loaded Show. We will talk about guns, weapons, ammo, gun accessories, prepping, and so much more. So be sure to join us every Tuesday at 1400 or 2 p.m. for Locked and Loaded on America's Web Radio. Hello, my name is Rick White, and I'm the director of the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. I want to encourage all Georgia veterans to consider being nominated to the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. And if you are a Georgia veteran, and the definition of a Georgia veteran is either you were born in the state of Georgia, or you've lived here 10 years, or you were raised your right hand and joined the military in this state, you are considered a Georgia veteran. For further information, go to www.gmbhof.org, or you can contact me at 678-427-0915. We'd love to have your nomination for the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. Thank you so much.
Hey folks, this is Victor with the On Point with Victor show. Make sure you listen every Tuesday, 1 to 2, only right here on America's Web Radio, the On Point with Victor show. Remember folks, I'm not angry, I'm just right. And you can find out why every Tuesday from 1 to 2, the On Point with Victor show, only right here on America's Web Radio. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.